and if you see Jack Alerani is coming in, he's mm-hmm. only 14 and he just won the under 17 JCT. So I think US has a very good chance to finish in top three in the individuals and winning the title, team title. That would be an awesome event for the United States. Question personally for you, a semifinal or a final USA against Pakistan, who's, who's Jahanzeb Khan rooting for? Uh, that's a tough question. I know, I know these are the tough questions. You volunteered to come on this show, Jahanzeb. You got to answer the tough questions. If the both are playing, I think the heart is there for the Pakistan. But uh, I want US to win because everything is now, you know, I'm living here. And it's good to see the home country playing the best coach. And if the US wins and if the US, if US is growing, the world is growing. About to leave. Already packing, come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. What about this? This call is being recorded. Squash fans, we have a special episode here, and it's a buck shot where Bill interviews a guest to share on a recent development or topic. So Bill, who'd you have on today? On Friday afternoon, I got a direct message from Jahan Zip Khan, the owner of the Houston Squash Club. I thought he was uh, calling just to firm up some details because his Southwestern Women's Open's coming up in a couple of weeks and just firming up some MC details. But uh, instead, he informed me that they, Houston, Texas, was just awarded the 2024 U.S. Junior World Championships for both boys and girls. He said the announcement's going to happen uh, um, either Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. So we recorded on Saturday and just went over the went over the event. Um and talk to Jahanzeb about running that event and about a lot of other squash-related topics. Yeah, and um, this event, I was a little surprised to hear that actually it's going to be the men and women combined or junior men and women combined. Is Do you know if that's going to be an annual thing? It sounds, sounds like it's going to be the way going forward. It's not just a one-off. It sounds like all WSF events are going to be men's and women's combined going forward. Yeah, but that would that mean they host it every year because it's usually biannual? Good. If I could... Um, jump into my time capsule and go back in time, I probably would have asked Johans of that, but yeah. I don't know that for a fact. I, I would assume that it would be then become every other year. That would make more sense, right? Because I would assume, I'm guessing that the reason for this is cost savings um, for federations, maybe to get everybody's eggs in one basket at one time, budget-wise. I don't know what's going to happen because, so it was, I forget if it was like, um, let me see here. It looks like in 2010 is when they started shifting... Um, to host the individual championships each year. So that was already occurring. Right. So right. Th- this might be a shift towards hosting it every year. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It could be. Uh, that Next next episode. Yeah. L- little cliffhanger there. <laughs> um, but no, this was uh, Jahanzi. I mean, in listening to the episode, I mean, he really is, his passion just comes through. And he really, you got to stop betting against Jahanzi. <laughs> Like, if this was 10 years ago and he came to me like, we're going to host this, I'd be like, don't even bother, forget it. But he just really has continued to prove time and time again of what a community can do when they get behind a vision. Uh, You guys talked about the level of events that have been going on, and he just keeps raising the bar. And his passion for juniors, you know, which isn't shared by everyone, I think you and I talk about the pros and that's a given, certainly college squash. Uh, but outside, the juniors really doesn't always get that level profile. So the fact that he cares about equally is pretty impressive. Yeah, he does talk about um, the juniors at his club and the the, um, the the number of juniors that are coming through his club. And as he said, you know, one brings a friend and then another person brings a friend and it just keeps growing and growing down there. Another 
interesting is that south of the United, southern part of the United States, right? Ghost town for squash in years past. Jahan's at building up Texas. Now we have Wael Hindi in Florida hosting a men's and women's gold event in, in January. So uh, changing, changing the, the squash landscape in the United States for sure. Yeah, and the big news that they're adding uh, ad- additional courts that they'll get them a total of uh, fourteen courts. That I was a little concerned as far as the size of the of the um, of the facility. You've been there; it's a little tight, obviously, for a, uh, for for large numbers of large numbers of people. So, which the World Junior Championship, although the World Junior Championship, um, as big as it is, it probably brings less. Play- it certainly brings less players in than say a junior nas- a junior championship tour event or a large junior gold event. Yeah, it's sub 300, you know, if you um, if you have full draws. Right. So, yeah. Well, and just to give some context to some people who don't follow this with the World Junior Championships, there are two components to the event. There's the individual component and then the team of event. Each nation can send up to four players and all four individuals will play in the uh, individuals. So that's 128 draw. And then they combine to play for their team, for their nation. So it is pretty exciting. And the, the U.S. has hosted this in the past. In 1998, that was a uh, the first time the U.S. hosted the, the junior men. And do you actually know who won that? Uh, the junior men in 1998 was that the one in Princeton? Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm going to guess. I'm going to give a guess. I'll say England. I can't remember the team, but do you remember who won the individual? Um, Paul Johnson. no he's our national team coach on bung he really i did that i did not know wow good for yeah wow that's pretty exciting and in the mix were guys like uh, so this was the uh well hindi was the runner-up but then um uh, nick matthew i believe was a semifinalist, and uh, james wilstrop was a youngin getting into the draw i think he was 12 years old so yeah and you guys touch on this in the episode, which I thought was really great, of, of talking about the transition of going from junior squash to pro squash and just how elevated that's become, where there was certainly a prediction that these players would be top-level pros, but now they're in the top 100. Like, it's kind of kind of nuts. Touch on that quickly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we know by when we hosted the 2011 World Junior Championships when uh, Egypt had a little bit of a political unrest and they had to uh, give up the tournament and uh, U.S. squash took it on and we hosted it in Boston. Look at look at the women's teams that were in the finals. Um, we're looking at um, the uh, the United States uh, was led by Amanda Sobey, um, Olivia Blatchford Klein and Sabrina Sobey, all top 15 players in the world right now. The team that won the championship, um, Egypt, uh, the individual champion that year was Norel Tayeb. And the her teammate on that on that squad was was Norel Sherbini. So looking right there, I mean, you're looking at the cream of the crop of the women's game uh, just from the 2011 uh, games. And I think if you look back historically at the makeup of the teams and at the individuals, I think you'll there'll be a lot of recognizable names as as, as you mentioned. Yeah, so it's certainly uh, something to watch. And uh, who's um, Orphe? Yeah, is the defending world junior champion. You know, and oh yeah, she, she she'll be going for her. Th- for her third straight championship, uh, uh, under 19 championship. And as, as, um, Jahansa pointed out, she's only 16, so she'll play 16 and then 17. So she has a chance to win three more. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. So. Uh, which El Shabini had to, uh, cause she won so young and it was Amanda Sobe that disrupted that plan back in the day. Right. And Tyab, um, and Tyab obviously also, right? Sure. One year. Yeah. 
there was also a bold prediction in here. I'm a little um, sort of giving back up to that potentially Team USA could win on the men's side. So, so as as you know, Connor, my knowledge of junior squash is extremely limited. Um, I, I just like you, I have a little PTSD about our junior squash uh, based on our our, our 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 past our past history together. So, I don't know a lot about it. I did. Uh, after I uh, found out about this and knew I was going to do the interview with Jahanzeb, I reached out to uh, a few of my uh, my f- former colleagues who are well immersed in both national teams and, and junior squash and national teams particularly. So they gave me a, a little bit of ammo uh, for questions for Jahanzeb. But Jahanzeb obviously knows a lot about it. And so he he said that the United States is going to be right there as a contender for the men's team championship, which would be absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean that when I heard him say that, I was bowled over. The and the thing is, I think Jahanzi definitely has his pulse on this, and he he aims high, but also a lot of his predictions come true. I mean, um, kind of the other part you guys touched on, which was fascinating to hear, was a little bit of what's going on with Mustafa Sal. Mm-hmm. And without getting into the detail of it, you know, sharing who he's working with now to help get him back on the tour, how he's handling the the PSA ban. But I did like that he say he hasn't he still hasn't played his best squash yet. Yeah. There's more to come. I mean, 21 years old, right? I mean, nobody, very, very few athletes peak at age 21. So no, no reason to think uh, that Mustafa Sal would be any different. So, uh, and Jahanza pointed out he's living in his new reality right now. Plays for four months, wins a bunch of tournaments, ascends to number one, and then takes eight months off. Basically, he's the PJ of the PSA tour, right? Fair enough. <laughs> Anything else before we jump into this episode you think might be helpful? I know, uh, obviously, a lot of most of our listeners, a lot of our listeners are from the United States and also a lot from Canada. So they have a little bit of geographical knowledge of of, of the area. But I don't know if like the fans who listen in England and listen in other parts of Europe understand that Houston, Texas hosting this is just it's just great. Like you just mentioned 10 years ago, could you even consider this being a possibility? Like no possible chance. So the U.S. hosting it was still even pretty low, right? you know, because it w- just wasn't that much interest. And you could see that maybe happening every 10 or 20 years. Um, but then you drill down to your point about location-wise, Houston being this. No, um, there were no facilities that could have hosted it. Really no supporting endeavors or, or really, because this is a huge financial toll. Yeah. And then actually he did mention this where, where you guys touched on like other countries hosting it versus the U S and it really is much more expensive to run these events in the U S we're about three or four times the price. And by comparison where other, whether this is in France or even England where city councils or governments will step up to try and draw in those hotel nights, given on your past business. I mean, how much do these local cities care about squash not not really you know when you're comparing it to a citywide convention or other huge sporting events that bring in fans so that's the big difference so this will bring in a lot of players into the into the city a couple hundred players and then also their parents and stuff but when you're talking about even like an army navy game or something like that where there's fan participation where there's seventy five thousand fans traveling to your city to watch that's what makes a dent and that's where the city would step up and assist uh with hotel rooms and with with defraying some costs so that's where Jahanzeb being able to raise that kind of money is 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 excellent. I, I joke about it with Jahanzeb, and you and I know um, with the WSF, and I joked about the the whole breakfast thing, and I, I was kind of half joking because it's important, right, to the WSF. Breakfast is not a thing in the United States like it is in the rest of the world. When I tell you that when we hosted the tournament in 2011 in Boston, one of the biggest sticking points was breakfast, and Jahanzeb even laughed because he, he might not have known. 
but he just negotiated uh, a contract to run the 2024 World Junior Championships in Houston. And when I mentioned breakfast to him, he, he couldn't help but laugh. Yeah, he laughs. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you're, you're totally right. And this just sort of highlights the, the fact that WSF really tries to, um, or just has one way of approaching things sometimes. Yeah. And the team entry fees, regardless of where you're hosting it, is the same price. And you can th- think how far that dollar goes, whether it's in the US or in Colombia, which was one of the alternatives um, for this um, upcoming World Junior Championships, how far that dollar goes. Chris Smith, uh, who, who was the tournament director in 2011, uh, sent over to me, I don't know why he still has it in his documents, sent me over the WSF checklist for that event. It was ridiculous. <laughs> well, good. Um, well, let's. Um, anything else before we jump in? No, looking forward to it, Connor. You're, I said we're missing Connor from this episode, so I'm glad to uh, to actually have you be a part of it. We are still missing PJ. PJ, as I mentioned early on, is in Qatar doing yeoman's work. I've been listening to him. We've been kind of messaging back and forth on Facebook and on WhatsApp. We'll do a recap episode next week. Welcome, Rundown fans, to a very, very special episode. No Connor, no PJ today. PJ actually in Qatar, which I I find shocking this morning. I was watching Squash TV and PJ actually decided to work this week. So I have the honor of welcoming a special guest. Rarely on this podcast do we get to break news. But today we are going to break news about a very big happening in the United States. So I'd like to welcome on our guest, Jahan Khan the owner of the Houston Squash Club in Houston, Texas. Uh, good morning and welcome, Jahanzeb. Hi, good morning. Thank you oh. for a lovely intro. No, no problem at all. Jahanzeb, in the short time, I think you just told me in 2020, the um, Houston Squash Club opened. So in the short time the Houston Squash Club has been open, you've hosted a plethora of major events. You've hosted four PSA gold level tournaments, two men and two women, and you're going to host two more this season. You've hosted numerous challenger tour events. You've hosted a, actually hosted a JCT, one of the biggest junior squash events in the country in Houston, Texas. And I'm not sure people who are listening to this from around the world understand how big that is uh, to host an event like that in Houston, Texas. And you're going to host another one in February. But now we have the biggest event you are ever going to host is going to be announced. It has been announced by the time this podcast is out. So I'm going to leave it to you. Go ahead and tell our audience a big announcement for Houston, Texas. So <laughs> the big news for all of us that uh, U.S. is hosting 2024 World Junior Championship in Houston, Texas. Un, un- we are making the history for the first time that we are hosting men and women team event together. So in Just- the past... Yeah, it's always like alternate years, one one year boys, one year girls. But now this time, uh, World Squash asked uh, us, uh, is it a possibility to host them together? And then I said, yeah, why not? When we are breaking all the records, so let's make one more. <laughs> I couldn't imagine 10 years ago even being something that was fathomable. So just the fact that you have taken that area of squash and you are now hosting, what is the... Uh, one of, one of, if not the most prestigious squash tournaments, junior or adult in the world is just fabulous. The U.S. did host the junior uh, world juniors in 2011. Egypt had a little bit of a, a little bit of a political uh, uh, issue down there. So the uh, uh, U.S. squash took it over and ran it in Boston. And I'll, I'll go over a little bit of that. But either way, yes, a dual 
tournament, both men and women's teams, men and women's individual championships <clears throat> happening in Houston, Texas, the junior worlds, the pinnacle of junior squash. What makes it particularly special for you, Jahan Zib, and And what do you see as the event's impact on your Houston squash community? Okay, so I'll just give a little uh, background of the event. So, you know, because I like always to do big things. Mm-hmm. I, when I came in Houston, after two years, I asked PSA, can I, in 2013, I asked them, can I do the World Series in here in Houston? So they were like, what event did you host it? <laughs> so I said, I did two challengers, 10K, 10K. So then they said, no, you have to do this, this, and this. And then if you, and you have to commit for five years if you want to do the World Series. Back then, I said, you know, we are growing. So I think I, I, I need a little bit more time to adjust and then see uh, what uh, we can do later on. But so this is always my dream to play big events or host big events. So now I'm at this point of my life where I can only host big and big and bigger <laughs> events and take this course to the next level. So, uh, so this is, I think this is one of the steps uh, which I'm taking to take squash to the next level. And then I think, you know, when I asked uh, for the World Series and after that I said, it's very hard to convince the WSF or the PSA to give me that kind of level tournament in Houston where the squash was like close to zero 10 years Mm -hmm. ago. Right. And, uh, but uh, I have a very uh, good friend and he's one of the board of directors also in my club, uh, Javed Khan from Canada. So he was in uh, Australia. Uh, he took his uh, son for the World Juniors. And he's uh, apparently like very good friend of uh, uh, William, who is the president of uh, WSF. Mm-hmm. And uh, I discussed with him and I said, uh, I don't know if it's possible. You can see talk and we can host the next World Junior here. So from there, the conversation started. And then he worked really hard, Javed, just to convince them that Houston is ready to host. Houston club is growing. Houston now have will be having a 14 courts. When you'll be here in two weeks, you will see a lot of changes in the club. We put the platform on the backside of the club uh, of the course where people can stand up and down because it's getting very crowded. We're adding three pickleball courts. We're adding four more courts. We are, we're having a big gym. So it's, I think it's all going to the right direction. And I think this is the time where I think myself that you know i can do it so from there the conversation start then the u.s coach get involved and then u.s coach supported me like all the way that okay yes if is there any if there is any place to host after philly mm-hmm. that's is houston so i we put the bid and and then this week we won it finally and so what was the bid process like? Did you have to present somewhere or was it just a conversation or did you have to send in paperwork? Give me a, give me an idea of when this when this started in Australia and what the process was when you got the phone call and and were told, yes, you got the event. You know, it's, it's a it's a long process. Like you have to submit the papers and billing and then you have to make sure there WSF and US Gosh make sure that you have funds to mm-hmm. host the event. And then because it's all like, you know, after uh, if they say, yes, Houston can do it, but what if they don't have funds? Then where we can take this event after that? So they want to make sure that you have funds, you have the credibility, you have the board, a good board of directors, owners are wealthy and supportive, everything like right. So we did all that, and what I was, what I knew that uh, last two countries was like very close to win this thing is Colombia and USA. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, I think they trust us. And then they said, let's take it to the US where we can do both men and women, boys and girls. Uh, championship individual and team event so so that's so that took like almost from world junior finishes in uh, july till mm-hmm. now september yeah it took like one and a half month to convince them and tell them and show them that yes houston is ready we have enough courts we can drop the glass court as well we can buy or rent whatever we need to do we can do it and then we still have like three glass wall as well so we'll have 15 courts to host this event Right, right. So, um, uh, when when you told me, so so before I ask this next question, did you just get a phone call or an email saying, "Hey, the event is yours"? Or how did that work? And like, what was your reaction when you were told? So they sent, uh, so they sent the email to US Kosh, and US Kosh, uh, Kim told me that yes, we got it. And I was, you know, I, it's like for me winning the World Open for yeah. World Junior for me for myself because it's the same thing if you win or you host. Because people will remember this this city, this country, this club will always be in the books. That this year, World Junior hosted in Houston, Scotch Club in Houston, blah, 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 blah. blah. So that's all matters. It's it's good for the Scotch growth in, in uh, Houston. Mm-hmm. When Again, I'll, you will see from your eyes that how many juniors we have in the club when you come back here. Like so many, five, six, seven years old. It's like, it's like a factory now coming one kid going and then he, his friend is coming, then friends of friends is coming and it's growing massively. Right. So so when you told me about this event and it was happening, it automatically sparked a little PTSD for me. I contacted my friend Chris Smith at St. Paul School, who was the tournament director for the 2011 World Juniors and he yeah. in Boston and he forwarded to me the checklist, the dreaded checklist that the WSF sends for these events and all the boxes you need to check. And it was it is daunting, right? When you look yeah. at all the roles and responsibilities that yeah. need to be filled for this event. It's not yeah. just another junior squash event by any means. So did you've seen that checklist, I imagine, and it must give you a little bit of, you've run so many big events, but this is a different level. Yeah, you know, but we are taking we are taking this event to the different level as well because I said you know the the experience we will give them to the people they will remember they will remember forever. Mm-hmm. Like you know when they do the opening ceremony, closing ceremony, I said we will do this and we will provide the food as well. No, uh, if we have four hundred people, bring them. Right, we will do it. So that experience we will give them. We will give them like anything, everything, whatever they need. We are trying to, okay, I'm, this is my, one of the plan is to bring uh, the top players, flying them, the celebrities will come, mm-hmm. squash liberties, and then other people like the big names to come and support the event, to see the uh, this World Junior Championship. Mm-hmm. And so we have so many ideas to just make it to this event to the next level. So then squash can be a revolution from here in the U.S. Uh, and on the lighter side, did the WSF express to you how important breakfast was? <laughs> uh, you know, you're right so, uh, that's that's an inside joke for anybody who's ever worked with the wsf on any event that yeah. it doesn't you you could you might not even have a squash court but if you have a good breakfast plan they'll that's give you right. an event for sure <laughs> all right so yes yeah, so from the u.s squash uh, uh they were like asking us can you accommodate 16 referees i say yeah whatever 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 we are ready right, right, we can right. do it Okay. Okay. So, so you're, 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 you're dodging the breakfast question. Go ahead. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will give them the best. Pakistani. They will love it. Uh, 
<laughs> I will invite all of them in my house just to have the breakfast. So also you be prepared for the Egyptian contingent. So the event, so say the event, I know that you told me the dates were tentatively like July 16th or something like that to start. So be ready for the Egyptian contingent to show up sometime in early June. So just yeah, just, no, just be still, prepared for that. No, you're right, because we're still getting calls from people like who knows that. They say, okay, we are starting putting the camps, we are bringing the kids and this and this. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, and, and, and I'm very happy that, you know, a lot of new countries will participate in this event as well. So, like, I'm I'm trying really hard to bring Pakistan girls team. They mm-hmm. never play. So... I'm trying to find the sponsors and do the sponsorship for them just to participate because they, the girls over there need the experience as well. Right. It's very important for them. It's it's all about boys over there. So I want to change that concept too, that, you know, girls can play and they can compete in, uh, in that side of part of the world. If India can bring, if, uh, I don't know who else in the, if Hong Kong and Malaysia can bring, then why not Pakistan? Yeah, so bring a lot of new countries. If they cannot afford, we can find a way for them to be a part of this event. So, and then uh, these are all these are all the plans. And there's a lot of things where we are thinking to do, like you know, little mini concert, and then for the opening and closing ceremony, and bring the good uh, singers as well here. So, so we'll see how the things will go. But we are very excited. I'm very happy. Yeah. That this is- coming to Houston and uh, I have no words to just tell you like how this thing this event will change the squash in Texas and all over the US you talked about this earlier the first time men's and women's teams together what's the reasoning behind that and what any impact that will have in change to, from previous events I think the the previous uh, I, I what I was uh, hearing and think and thinking that I think there was a issue of the financials right it's very hard for one country to send two teams and his budget and his all everything like that right so so I told them look we whatever we can do it we will do it and it's it's good to see boys and girls every year team event together at the same venue mm-hmm so they asked us and we approved it. I said, yeah, we, let's let's do it. So start from the US. We are big in everything. So let's say, you know what? Let's let's handle this part as well. And, and is there is there any concern about women's teams? Because in Melbourne there was a lack of a lack of participation on the women's side, frankly. And it could have been because it was in Melbourne, Australia, and it's a long trip and it's not easy to get there. Any concern about more women's teams coming to the US? Or do you think because it's the US is the destination that it'll, it'll grow on the women's side? I think U.S. is the hub right now for the squash. I think mm-hmm. they will beat everybody. Like in the next three years, everything will be in the U.S. So everybody wants to come here. Mm-hmm. And then I'm pretty sure that there were so many countries will participate. Like, you know, Colombian, Mexico, they're very close, right? Barbados, their team, Jamaica, and the Ecuador, Argentina. Mm-hmm. So they're not very far. So these countries will never participate before. So, and then I was uh, talking to my partners as well, that uh, if we have to accommodate them in, in, in any way, we are ready to do it. So, so this is, so my goal is to have at least uh, 24 boys teams mm-hmm. and 16 to 20 girls teams. 
So looking at the the actual tournament itself, and when I went back after we talked, after you uh, messaged me about this event, and I went back and looked at some history, and it's it's pretty exciting to see the top players who have been world junior champions, like Asal, obviously, El Shabagi, Elias, Sobi, all former champs. There's a straight line, basically, between being a world junior top player and becoming a top professional. Can you talk about how important an international competition is for these juniors to, and what effect it has on the future of the PSA Tour? Yeah, it is very important. It is, if you, whatever the name you mentioned, they'll, you'll see after they're winning the world juniors, they are the world champions as well. Mm-hmm. So I think the, experience, the the juniors and the PSA is like a different ball game, right? When mm-hmm. you're juniors, is different mindset and everything. When you come to the pros, there's no killers, right? You have to just grind yourself to win the point. And in juniors, you go for two, three rallies, and then there's a next shot, Nick coming, and then the ball is rolling and dying. Right. So I think if whenever the it's like if you're not Asal or Rami Ashur or Shorbagi, then it's you take at least two years to mix up with the PSA tour, because from the world junior to the tour is it's just it's hard. It's a different level. Mm. Because when I was talking, you know, Karim Abdul Gawad, he did his all uh, summer training here uh, this year. So. And I was talking to him and I was telling him what is, he was playing with the, some top juniors in Houston before they're traveling to the world juniors. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, these players are like playing awesome here. But as soon as they go there, the game has changed, right? With the juniors. So he, he told me that, you know, the mindset is because he played the world juniors. He he didn't qualify for the semis. Karim Abdul Gawad. And then look at now, like he won the world right. championship. One of the best players in the world. So, so he said the pressure of this event is it's just like something else. You're playing the world juniors, right? You are the best 128 juniors in the world. Mm-hmm. You're competing with the best. These, these are the best players there who are playing to win and only one can win the whole championship, right? So, so he was telling me that the, the mindset of the juniors is very different than playing as a pro in a pro tour. Mm-hmm. So that's why... A lot of, if you see, before playing the World Juniors, now the the 17, 18 years old are already in top 100. Right. Like Rowan like Ruben Deming, if mm-hmm. you see that. And if you see uh, Muhammad Zakaria, mm-hmm. he's in top 300. So the players are already getting this experience before they're jumping into the World Juniors. So now I think it's changing. But it, it is still take, I think, a couple of more years. Then you will see as soon as the players finishing the World Juniors, they will be in top 50 or top 60. Right. right away. So the event being in Houston, obviously Houston is one of the most culturally diverse cities in the country. So Team USA, Team USA might not necessarily have a home advantage being in Houston. There are a lot of expats from Pakistan, Egypt, and other countries. Talk about Team USA's opportunity to to win an event on their home soil and how difficult that would be considering the competition. You know, if you uh, if you ask me, and I'm telling you, U.S. boys team have a very good chance to win the title. Mm. Nope. Because yeah, because the only the uh, I think uh, uh, Egypt and Colombia will be one of the strongest teams there. Mm-hmm. Colombia has also a very good two players, and if the event is on July twelfth to twenty fourth, then uh, Juan Torres, their number one, mm-hmm. is going to be Egypt because his birthday is on the twenty fourth. Ah, so he will only play the individuals, not the team event. Oh, interesting. So because of that, US has a very good chance. If you see, because we have Rishi, mm-hmm. we have uh, Alex Dartnell, Andrew Glazer, 
and then we have Rustin Weiser, Zen Patel. So the team is very strong. And the depth, and you, if you see Jack Alarani is coming in, he's mm-hmm. only 14 and he just won the under-17 JCT. So, so I think US has a very good chance to finish in top three in the individuals and winning the title, team title. That, that would be an awesome event for the United States. Question personally for you. A semi-final or a final USA against Pakistan. Who's who's Jahanzeb Khan rooting for? Uh, that's a tough question. I know, I know these are the tough questions. You volunteered to come on this show, Jahanzeb. You got to answer the tough questions. Uh, if the both are playing, I think the I think the heart is there for the Pakistan. But, uh, but I want I want US to win because everything is now. You know, I'm living here. Everything is mm. is here, and it's good to see the home country playing the best squash and it's, it's good for the squash and for the world as well if the u.s wins and if the US, if u.s is growing the world is growing no i understand it was kind of a lighthearted question uh, but but it must be very gratifying to you to host the pakistani teams here in houston yeah. for this event that has to be a huge deal for you that's right that's right and i'm very excited for that as well mm-hmm. and then, uh, but the, the you know, I, I'm this World Junior. The next one is going to be open, right? You know, there is no one name that you mm-hmm. can say this player can win the title. No, you have uh, Mama Zakaria can win, Rishi can win, Juan Torres can win, right? And then and like uh, these players can. And John O'Brien, I think he will be age up uh-huh. by then. So these three players are the top players, and then uh, and Josefa Ibrahim, he's playing really well, and he he can win because he used to beat and or play at the same level of Rishi and all and Juan Torres. So all all of these players have a good chance. So it's not like one dominant player right. who can who you think that he can win, but no. And on that day, boys and girls same. Um, uh, yeah, in the girls it's very obvious one girl is playing really well, yeah. but in the boys, as you can see, that we can see a surprise. And any truth to the rumor that Hamza is going to come back for his seventh World Junior Championship? Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask. <laughs> I think if he's, if he's smart, he will not play. We'll okay. see. Okay. Uh, um, but yeah, no. And I, yeah, as you talked about on the women's side, Amina Orphy is going to be there, obviously, right? And she, yeah. I mean, she, she's, she at that point could be a superstar on the PSA tour. So that's true. Very exciting to have her. I mean, I remember Norel Sherbini winning this when she was just a youngster. And by the time she played her last World Junior Championship, she was a, like a star on the PSA Tour. So that would be very exciting for the event. And then that will be her third title if she wins, right? Yeah. Um, uh, yep. She has two more after that. Incredible. She's. I think, she, I think she's only, she's only 16. 16, yeah. One question I had, and that's the question I'm getting from all my squashed uh, people, uh, the heat in Houston in July. I mean, obviously, it's been held in Chennai, which I imagine must be very steamy also in the summertime. Talk about Houston in July and how that would affect uh, any of the play uh, off the court and obviously on the court. I think, you know, July is not that bad, but the August is brutal here. Mm-hmm. This this August was like 105, 104. Oh, really? Every day, yeah. So July is just like, you know, it's, it's good, 85, 90, which is fine for, for us. And uh, But I'm so glad that everything is happening inside. Yeah, so definitely so everybody will be fine. Right, right. But uh, yeah, but I think everywhere if you go, it's like AC there, right? So yeah. you go to Uber hotel uh, and coming back to the venue, and then play going to the malls and everything is AC. So the people will be fine. So uh, before we go, I want to talk about two weeks down the line. Now we're looking at <clears throat> the 
2023 Southwestern Women's uh, Squash Open presented by Cotidier. Have Noran Gohar back. We have Nor Altaya back. We have the Americans, Amanda Sobe, Olivia Klein, uh, Olivia Fichter back. Looks like another great event down in Houston for this late September. Talk about the preparations for that and looking forward to that event. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's I'm very excited for that as well. It's just only two weeks two weeks away. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, we are changing the floor as well. We are getting the dark floor with. And uh-huh. then, you know, this that was the, also one objection in the World Junior. They came back to us. They said, it's very hard to see the ball. Right. So I said, we have a solution for that. And we already ordered from Germany, ASB. My, my new coach are from ASB. So they're putting uh-huh. the floor. And the floor has already arrived in Houston. They start uh, assembling on the 15th of this month. Yeah, we will have a dark floor. So I'm excited for that to see how it, that looks and uh, seeing uh, Nurun Gohar back and defending her title. That is amazing as a world number one or two right now. So it's a, it's, it's a huge way for the event itself. And Nurul Tayyab is coming. She's playing really well at, at the moment. Amanda Sobi is there. Victor is there. So uh, a lot of uh, tough girls are there. So it's going to be a very exciting week for all of us. If you change the floor, though, what are people online going to complain about during the tournament? <laughs> that's my favorite. That's my favorite week of the year. Listening to people complain about the color and they can't see the ball. Come on. Yeah. So now there's no more complaint. Now, I, now I'm going to wait for the next one. What is the next? So last question for you. Um, and I know you you follow the PSA Tour very closely. Talk about my favorite player on the PSA Tour, Mustafa Asal. Obviously been banned for 12 weeks. Have you been in touch with him? Do you talk to Mustafa at all on a regular basis? And just kind of let me, if you know how he's doing. Almost, how- we're talking almost every day. So how, how is Mustafa doing? How is he handling the suspension? What's he looking forward to? I know his net first event will probably be the grasshopper, I'm guessing. Grasshopper. So, I think, so, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's a very chill guy. So now he thinks that this is my life, right? Mm-hmm. Need to play four months, win four titles, and then stay in top four. And then <laughs> the rest is see what happens. So, so uh, mentally, he's very, very strong. Mm-hmm. So... He needs to fix some things. He's fixing those things. And I hope you can see a, a great squash from him, starting from Grasshopper and working with uh, James Wilstrop, helping him in some things, which can uh, uh, really make him the the best. And I, and I think I can still say that we still haven't seen the best from him. So if he plays at least six months without any stoppage, mm-hmm. you will see a huge gap between them and the other players. If... Because he's young and he's uh, he's 21 only and he's like in top four already. So I'm very excited for him as well that he's coming back. He's changing some things. Mm-hmm. And I'm also very excited to see like what Karim Abdul-Gawad is bringing. That's what, that's what I was going to ask you. I know Karim and you had mentioned it earlier. Spent a lot of time in Houston this summer. And he before Mustafa, Karim was my favorite player. So only because Karim was gone for a bit and Mustafa took took his place in Bill Buckingham's heart. Yeah. I, I'm not, Gawad's not my favorite player any longer, but I do always root for him. And I think it would be outstanding for the PSA Tour if he became the number one player in the world again. Talk about his progress this summer and what you feel the, uh, his season's going to look like. I think he worked very hard for uh, this uh, in preseason and uh, he's ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played uh, in a you know normal court against Paul Call. It's very hard and it's very humid in Paris Open. Yeah. So uh, the result was not in our favor. Mm-hmm. But he's very excited to uh, for this Qatar Open, 
and I'm uh, and you will see some great results from him. And I think he will be back in top three in no time. Look, it's that thing because if you see he he's lost in the finals of the World Open. Mm-hmm. So if he can play the, if he can play the final of the World Open, he can in, in on his day he can beat anybody three love. And he showed so, it again and again. What what do you think about so on our last podcast we we talked about Mohammed Al Shabagi and his complaining about the scheduling of of matches. What were your thoughts on that? You know, I think it's not uh, like we cannot please all the players, right? So it's it, they have to they have to understand from the promoter side as well because it's it's if you increase one day, it's increasing like thousands of dollars, right? Raising the money is not is easy for everybody, especially in Europe side having a big events like that. So I think players needs to accommodate whatever the situation it is. It's not just for him, like it's for other players too. Mm-hmm. So if uh, they just have to adapt. And then they are good in that because uh, I spent some time with Muhammad Al-Sharbagi in Multan as well and, and in Houston too. So I know how strong mentally he is. Mm-hmm. So he can he can handle it in any situation. So And he proved it again and again for so many times, right? He was down, he was out. He was like at right. one point, he was like nowhere. It's just like he's going to retire. But now look at here. He's now fighting for the world number one spot again. Right. So he has the he has the personality. He has everything, and uh, so players like him and, and all that. I think they can easily adapt any situation. Yeah. No. I agree. I agree. I almost feel like it was so early in the season that he didn't have anything else to complain about yet. So he feel, felt he had to complain about something. <laughs> the season is so compressed. These platinum events are so close together. Then we have your event, yeah. and then the U.S. Open right afterwards. Right. It'll be interesting to see who the strongest players are. Who by the time the U.S. Open comes along are still in top yeah. form. So right. really looking right. forward to it. Ali is, Ali is showing the dominance. So it's <laughs> in, not easy to beat this guy. Yeah. In, and he speaks. And he speaks like nine languages. He spoke fluent French <laughs> in the. Tri- what 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 can't he do? Is the question. I've you know, of- I was. I was when I was uh, listening that I said, "What is that? Like they did they learn like in a week, or how they're saying so fluently? Like especially the Nurun Gohar. He took She's the like, She took the babble course. She took the online babble course the week before on the plane ride. I guess so. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, just, just shows they're all smarter than us, Jahanzeb. So there you go. That's right. That's right. Well, it, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Uh, what you've done for squash, not, o- not only in the Houston, Texas area, but in the United States is just phenomenal. I'm looking forward to being down at, uh, at your event at the end of the month and certainly looking forward to the World Junior Championships. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. And then looking forward to see you this year in September, the next year in February, and then again in July, and then again in September. So I think you, you can have out there. I look forward to the limousine at the, at the gate of uh, at the airport. So I, I'll, I'll, look for the, I'll look for the sign that's being held up. Thanks for listening to another show on SQR Squash Radio. We really do appreciate you taking the time to listen. And we have a quick ask. In an effort to help us grow, if you have a quick minute, please consider sharing an episode with a friend who might be interested or leaving a rating on any of the platforms you listen to your podcast. It would mean a lot to me and the rest of the team. Thanks so much and have a great day.